Welcome to the Heal and Grow Journey podcast. I'm Jennifer, your host, a mental health and wellness advocate, and a trauma survivor. This platform will be used to break the silence and create awareness around mental health in the Black community and in general for all people. My hope is that you will feel seen, heard, supported, and valued as we progress through the journey of healing and growing. Welcome back to the Heal and Grow Journey podcast. Hope all is well. I have a very special guest for us today. I have with us Alicia Barlow. Alicia is the founder of the Tell Somebody Movement. Also, she is the author of two books, Unsilenced Abuse and the children's book, Tell Somebody. In addition, she's a Breakthrough Activist Impact Award winner for the Me Too movement. And last but not least, you may have seen her on season five of Iyanla Fix My Life. Alicia, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. So excited. Me too. So how are you? How has 2020 been treating you? How are you doing just in general in COVID and just how you maintaining <laughs> um i mean i guess i'm trying my best like i guess everyone is you know just trying your best with what circumstances you got but um i always just try to wake up with a smile on my face and keep a smile you know a positive attitude no matter what's going on but um 2020 has been a crazy year i will say that from covid um to just what's going on now um as far as the racial issues and everything it's a lot just because I'm um, biracial. Um, I'm half white and half black. So to go through racial, uh, you know, things and to see how both sides of your family react or what sides they're on, it's like, it's been a real eye opener. Mm. So, but I appreciate everything. So, you know, they're all like blessings in disguise, lessons, you know, things like that. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I could only imagine, um, you know, what that would be like having to deal with, you know, with all the racial stuff and then, you know, experiencing yeah. that in your own family, like the different sides. So I mm-hmm. can only imagine that must be challenging, but you seem like you've got it under control. You seem like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're yeah, like, you're handling it. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'm familiar with who you are. So for the listeners that may not be familiar with you, that may have not read one of your books or, you know, seen you on TV, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the actual Tell Somebody movement. Okay. So basically, yes, my name is Alicia Barlow and I am a survivor of child abuse. Um, Growing up, I was sexually molested by my mother's grandfather when she would drop me off to be babysat. Um, whether it was for holidays, vacations, you know, when you're out of school for the summer, but your parents still have to work. My grandma and grandpa were the go-to babysitters. So, um, you know, ever since as young as, as, as young as I can remember, a baby, we lived within a five minute, you know, radius of my grandparents. So I was constantly over there. And um, my grandfather, as young as I can remember, started to touch me. Um, first, he started with the tickle game, tickling me under my arms and eventually moved to my private areas. And he told me that people who loved each other 
did these kind of things. And I believed him. You know, I still felt like we were playing a game. He's my grandfather. I trust him. I love him. But it was still uncomfortable to me. Um, So at age six, I actually told my aunt that her father was touching me. And she told me that this was wrong and that she would confront him and that the abuse would stop. We were actually on our way to my grandfather's second house for a family vacation. So I was really scared. Um, At six years old, I thought that, you know, I just opened up the can of worms. My grandfather and me had this secret. He told me not to tell. Here I did. You know what's going to happen. And when we got to the house, my aunt grabbed my mother, her other sister, and my grandfather, and they walked away down the hill. I guess that's where their conversation was taking place. When they walked back up the hill, I thought that people were going to be crying, yelling, screaming. I thought my grandfather would hate me and maybe be staring at me, you know, real maliciously. Like, I didn't know what to expect. And when they came back inside, it was the complete opposite. Everyone was smiling. They were cheery. They were talking. And it was as if nothing happened. So we stayed at this house for a couple of days. And when we returned back home, my mother pulled me in a room. And she said, Alicia, your aunt told me what you told her. I want to let you know that we confronted my dad. He admitted to abusing you. He said that the devil made him do it. And he promised he would stop if we all promised not to tell. Because if he has to go to jail, people in jail will kill him. They'll hurt him. And he knows this. So he says he will kill himself before he has to go to jail. And so we have to keep it a secret from the police. And if you tell your father, well, then your father is going to kill him. And that's where the race issue kind of comes into play, where I tell you I'm biracial because my mother is white, five foot two, and my dad is this big black six foot three, you know, um, man that they portrayed would hurt my frail old white grandfather if I told him. And then my dad would go to jail. So at six years old, the family, my mother's side of the family, put that on me to keep that a secret. But they promised promised me that the abuse would stop. Unfortunately, I was still brought around him and the abuse continued. And it took me 20 years to tell my dad. But the moment I told him, I had a weight immediately lifted off of my shoulders that I had been searching my whole life to feel. And after that, shortly is where I started the Tell Somebody organization to give strength to other survivors and to let them know that they're not alone out here, even though you think you are. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing story. Like, I, it just leaves me kind of speechless sometimes. I mean, even though I'm already familiar with your story, but just to hear it. Mm. And what, what really just kind of gets me is the pressure that I feel like they put on you at such a young age. Right. And the fear that you must have been experiencing, you know, just the thought of, oh, you know, like my grandfather may kill himself or my dad might kill him. So that to me is like, that's trauma in itself right there, you know, for a young child to try and trying to process that. Yeah. Besides the abuse and molestation, but yes, this new. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that, that, that's huge. Obviously a lot of time has passed since then. And you've, you know, you started your movement 
you wrote two books and you're, you know, you're, you're an activist and you're constantly, you know, doing things. It seems like on a daily basis, because I, I see all the posts and things on the Tell Somebody Facebook page and everybody sharing their stories and things like that. So present day, or, or let's just say in adulthood, how did the unprocessed trauma show up in your adult life? So growing up as a teenager, um, especially in high school where you're really trying to find yourself. And here you are 14 in the ninth grade and you're around 15, 16, 17, and 18 year olds, you know, along with the peer pressure of the drugs and the alcohol and the sex just of high school. I grew up feeling ugly, insecure. I was bullied. I felt like I didn't belong. Um, I used to walk around and actually wonder why I had this messed up life with a messed up family, but everybody else around me was smiling. You know, they all had good lives with good families. And like many people who were abused as a child, because sex was taken from me at a young age, I felt like that was all I had to offer. So I gave myself to many men who didn't deserve me, didn't love me, were just using me because I felt like sex was what you did to make a boy like you. Uh, I didn't know that it's the complete opposite of that. I used to not be able to look people in their eyes and have a direct conversation with them without having to look away. And I actually went on Google and one day typed that, like, why can't I look people in their eyes? And it said, because when you look at someone, you can like see into their soul and you don't want people to look in your soul and see all the disgusting, nasty, shameful stuff that, you know, you have inside of you. And so um, it really affected me. Um, I had trust issues. You know, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 18, unlike, you know, my friends who lost it younger. But like I said, when I did lose it, I didn't know my self-worth. So growing up as an adult, I never knew my self-worth. So I went through depression. I mean, we can get into this later because like you said, I share a different story on my page every day. And I know other people handle it way harder than I did as far as trying to commit suicide and taking it to that extreme level. But um, yeah, it definitely affected me. And I believe that childhood abuse, especially sexual, stays with you forever. I believe that it affects every decision that you make as an adult, as you grow, um, has to do with your childhood trauma, especially if you haven't addressed it yet, especially if you haven't, um, you know, confronted the situation, if people in your family still don't know about it. And it's something that you're still like holding inside. Because like I said, growing up, I always felt disgusting and ugly and just, you know, just gross. And it wasn't until I told my dad at 28 years old that an immediate weight was lifted off my shoulders that I had been searching my whole life to try to get that off. So for people out there who still haven't told, they still haven't had that weight lifted off their shoulders. So until you do that, it's going to continue to drastically affect you. Yeah. Wow. That is so true. Definitely. Definitely. So how did you or have you like officially started like your healing journey? What what does your healing journey look like today? Because it's a journey. It's not a one day you just wake up. But you know what I mean? Like, have, are you like in therapy? Like, what is your journey of healing look like? When I first started the Tell Somebody um, movement, I got my healing from that. Um, just like you said, I have a children's book. From that children's book, not only do children 
get to read it because their parents buy it, but I'm also able to go to schools and now put my book on a projector in front of 600 kids in an auditorium and, you know, just educate them. And I've did that before. And before the assembly was even over, before the kids even made it back to their classrooms, two or three kids were already telling, you know, their teachers or the counselors, the yard duties in this auditorium that they're being touched inappropriately and they need help. They want to tell somebody. So when I see things like that, when people write me and tell me that they've gotten my book and their kid has disclosed to them that they are being abused, when I see people that write me and say that, because I'm posting stories every day, because I'm sharing my story, it now gave them the strength to finally tell their story. And they're 30, 40, 50 years old. Like all of that is part of my healing. All of that makes me feel, you know, good about myself. And that is kind of what Iyanla was saying was, um, you know, that she wanted me to heal so that, yeah, it wasn't like a distraction and I wasn't like using it to not address what happened to me. So I'm really grateful that my mother and one of her sisters agreed to go on the on the show with me because I believe a big part of my healing process was addressing with my mother why she wasn't there for me, why she couldn't help me. Because to me, just like my father told me, she fed me to the wolf. She turned a deaf ear and a blind eye to me when I needed help. And I have a daughter and I would never do that to her. So as an adult, I had a lot of resentment towards my mother. Like, how could you do that? You know, how could you pick your father over me? And then the abuse continued. So with the Yonla show, if you saw the exercise she did with my mother, she had my mom cooking oatmeal and then she would make my mom answer the door. And when my mom would answer, Iyanla would turn up the stove so that when my mom came back, the oatmeal needed tending to, but instead my mom was worried about something else. So then the oatmeal started burning. So I really appreciated the exercise she did with my mom to show my mom that she wasn't present in the moment and what was going on. And so with those exercises, me and my mom actually started to rebuild our relationship. She apologized to me. She told me what she did was wrong. She wished she would have handled it better and different. And she even advocates and she has wore a tell somebody shirt and did videos for me telling other parents, if you did what my mother did, if you didn't listen to your child and the abuse continued that you were wrong for that and you owe your child an apology and it's not too late to rebuild with that. So yes, um, Iyanla started the healing process. Iyanla gave me a couple of her self-help books that I also did. And I actually took a break. When I was on the show, it was in 2018. And she asked me to take a break. Actually, it was the, it was the very beginning in 2018. So for the whole 10 months, I actually took a break and stepped back from my movement. And I didn't post anything and I didn't do anything. And I actually felt really guilty the first couple of weeks because I felt like every day I share a story, other people share that story. So now it's giving strength to others. It's bringing awareness. So every day I don't post 
those are days that I'm not helping. Those are days that people aren't reading stories. Those are days that people aren't being brought the awareness. So I felt really guilty, but I had to take a break, like she said, and I'm glad I did because I spent more time with my family and I realized that my family comes first and then the movement. I was putting the movement first because I had started it so fast and at such a raw and emotional place Right when I told my father that I had been molested, he told me that I needed to make a video and put it on Facebook and show the world, tell the world what my mother and her family did. He told me to put a picture up and put their names. And I said, I can't do that. I can't throw my family under the bus. And that's when he said, family wouldn't turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to you. And I was like, wow, you know, you're right. It actually wasn't until I was 28 and told my dad that I even looked at it from a different point of view. Um, I believe that when something happens and you're a child and you're told to keep it a secret and you never talk about it, you're not able to um, really process what happened to you. So growing up, I actually looked at my mom and her sick dad as um, the victims. And here I am, the protector, by keeping this family a secret, by keeping the secret by keeping the secret for my family, I'm keeping my family together. And so it wasn't until my dad told me that that wasn't my real family that I actually changed my viewpoint. Like, yeah, you're right. Like what they did to me was wrong and I wanted to hold them accountable. So long story short, I made a video and I put it on my Facebook and I did like my dad said, I told the world what happened to me and I was so nervous of the um, response that I immediately logged off my Facebook. And the next morning when I I woke up and I logged on, I had like 100,000 shares and 25,000 comments and 500,000 views. And it was all from people saying, wow, the same thing happened to me. The same thing happened to me. So here growing up, because I wasn't allowed to talk about it, I thought I was the only one that was being abused. I thought I was the only one that was being molested. And here there are thousands of people writing me and telling me that. I also grew up with a book about survivors and molestation and read that the average child molester was a middle-aged white man who's college educated and religious. And besides being religious, those things fit my grandfather. So growing up, I believe that only white men molested. It wasn't until I started to tell somebody and all these people started to write me. And as you can see every day, people send me a picture of them holding a sign that says, tell somebody. And I really appreciate that they um, are strong and brave enough to share their face, show their face and show the world. Because now you can see that, no, it's not just here. It happens in every race, every religion, every culture. And it was just a, such an eye opener for me that after I shared my video, I made a shirt that said, tell somebody for me, my dad and my daughter. It was just kind of like a symbolic thing just for the three of us that it was just kind of like, you know, if when you tell somebody, you just get like a freedom and get it off your chest. And when I posted that picture on my social media, the same thing. Next day I had 100,000 shares, 25,000 comments, everyone saying they wanted a shirt that said, tell somebody. And I was like, wow, like you guys want a shirt? So I started tellsomebodytoday.com. I started selling shirts. I started going out into the public setting and talking to complete strangers and asking people where they're survivors of abuse. And I started to tell somebody document series that's on my YouTube. And then, um, 
a man reached out to me from New York named Hedrick McBride, and he was telling me he has 52 children's books already and an NAACP, and he wanted to make a children's book. And I was like, yeah, like, that's my purpose is to make a children's book. So then I made a children's book, and then someone else reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to make a memoir. So then I made a memoir. And the way God works is that for a year straight, I asked God to fix my life, fix my life. And then I got a call from the producers of the On the Fix My Life show asking me if I wanted to come on. So I knew that it was a sign from God and I knew everything was, you know, all connected together. But I started the Tell Somebody organization so fresh from sharing my story that I never really got to dig deep into my own emotions and feelings and really get to sit down and talk with my family about what happened to me. I was so content or so just full driven now into helping others and making sure it doesn't happen to other people. Because if I can slow it down, if I can, you know, get a child molester to stop, if I can educate a child so that they tell their parent, you know, as soon as it happens, instead of months and years later, like then everything that I went through will have been worth it for me. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. So that that I guess that was one of my concerns for you um, was like, have you ever sat down with a therapist and actually like pe- peeled back the layers just for your yourself, like one on one? Do you right. believe in that? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I personally, I've took in, I've been to a few therapy sessions. Um, I haven't been to a lot of them, but I've been to a handful of them. I definitely, definitely believe that they help. I definitely believe that everyone should do it. At the end of every story that I post, that is actually one of the statements that I put at the end is survivors seek therapy and counseling. Because I know, like I said, it affects people in so many different ways. And I know that it affects people for the rest of their life. And I want people to get over that shame, that guilt and depression and that disgustingness that that comes with the molestation. That's why I really like sharing stories every day because people think that they're the only ones going through those feelings. But when you read the stories and you see that everybody has those feelings, you know, that's just what's attached to the abuse. But yeah, I'm definitely still working on it. Even right now, every day, you know, I'm still reading self-help books. I'm still talking with my mother. I'm still like, every day is still a process. So yeah, I am back like on my healing journey, definitely. And I feel a lot better than I did a long time ago. I didn't get to sit there and process everything. Right when I started my organization, actually, my mother and her sisters actually disowned me. They like changed their phone numbers. They blocked me on social media. And then right after that, my father passed away. He actually hit a tree and died instantly. So it's like my only support system was just gone. So that's what made me even say to myself, okay, I'm going to go 150% into my organization. And so, yeah, I never got a chance to even grieve over my father in the same process as healing from my molestation and talking with my mother. So now it's been two or three years since then. So I'm at a way, 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 way better place. So yes, I do advocate therapy and counseling and believe that every survivor should go through that. All right. Awesome. What about self-care? Like, what do you do for self-care? Like, do you do yoga? 
bubble baths? Do you go exercise, listen to music? Like, what's your thing? What's like your self-care Sunday? If it's a Sunday, like what, what does your self-care routine look like? Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm a mother. So, you know, you have to include the kids up in there. But um, definitely... I love exercising because even if you're not feeling it, when you look in the mirror, if you like what you see, you know, it makes you feel better and it just feels good. I like eating good, eating healthy, like fruits and things like that, because that just makes you feel good. Just always having like a positivity. Um, It's kind of like I saw a quote that said, you know, like, make the devil scared every time, you know, your feet hit out the bed, you know, it's a quote, something like that. Basically every day, like I get up with a positive attitude and I know that things are going to be thrown at me. I know that, you know, some bad things might happen, but I know I just got to take them and just keep pushing and keep going because we only have one life and you can't live it, you know, down and out and depressed. So um, I just try to just do everything positive. Um, I like to read books. Um, Reading books is really good. And um, like I said, spending time with my children. All right. So you said children, plural. So do you have more than one now? Yeah, I do actually. Oh, congratulations! Um, I was, I was like keeping like a secret. <laughs> I caught <laughs> yeah, that. No, I caught. I was like, like children. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I actually did um, last year. I actually had twins. Oh wow! Congratulations! So I have ten-month-year-old twins. So I pulled like a Kylie Jenner, <laughs> and I didn't post any pictures of myself, so nobody really knows and stuff. But yeah, um, I don't know. Your children just give you like that extra, you know, just go that extra motivation. But self-care is definitely, definitely important. For sure. For sure. Okay. So my next question for you is this. So do you know who you are now outside of your pain? Oh, that's what Iyama was asking (laughs) too. Like who... Who are you without your story? You know, like, who are you without your pain? And that's what we were talking about. Yeah, back then I didn't know because I didn't know myself as a person. I didn't know my self-worth. And until I told my dad, I always felt like, you know, I was walking around in an empty body. Like it was just the body, but like I didn't have anything there. I didn't know my purpose in life. So it didn't really make me care about the days. You know, I am a strong woman. I'm a teacher. I'm a mother. I'm a humanitarian. I'm an advocate. You know, pain strengthens you. And so I don't want to like hold on to pain. I don't feel like I'm holding on to pain. I don't have it. But my story is something that I feel like I have to continue to share until the day I die. But unfortunately, with that story, there is pain, you know? I get it. So it's like, as I, yeah, so I feel like, um, as long as I keep advocating, as long as I keep telling my story, you know, like I can get up on stage. And before when I used to tell my story, I used to break down crying as soon as I got up there. But now I've told it so much that I can say it, you know, without crying. But sometimes I do get a little emotional when I hear myself say out loud, like, you know, I told my mother and she told me to keep it a secret and the abuse continued. It's like, wow, like that's like something that really happened. So, um, you know, I don't, feel pain inside but it's probably some still deep buried down there but yeah I'm a real positive person for the most part yeah you definitely sound like that I can tell you're definitely a positive person so that that's awesome 
What's your relationship like now with your mother, like present day? Um, It's a lot better than it was um, growing up because she always had me keep it a secret. We had a really rocky relationship. When I was a child, I kept it a secret. When I was a teenager, I actually used that secret to blackmail her a couple times, which was also on the on the show. But again, I didn't know my worth because even when I blackmailed her, it was for her to take me to the movie theaters. Like I was 13, 14 years old. I didn't even know really the extent of the secret that I was holding and how serious like it really was. Um, I just knew that like my mother was like a shady kind of person and I just didn't know how to deal with it. But as I got older, um, before we went on the on the show, we didn't hug, we didn't tell each other, we loved each other. When I spoke to her, it's kind of like, you know, I knew she was my mom, but I just had a lot of resentment and hate for her deep down inside. I didn't just, I didn't show it a lot though. Now it's a lot better since we went on the on the show, since she's apologized, since we're working on our relationship. We talk often. We talk almost every day, like on Facebook Messenger. We talk on the phone every now and then. It still feels awkward when we say, like, I love you and things like that. Like, you can still feel it. But um, we're working on it. So that's what I try to tell other people. Um, A lot of people don't want to tell their secret because the fear of their family disappearing members disowning them or um, like my aunt told me well it happened to me when I was younger so get over it and that's another point that I wanted to make was that my mother and her sisters and their cousins were all molested by their grandfather and when they were younger they told their dad and their dad told them to keep it a secret and they were still brought around their grandfather and their abuse continued so they did to me what was done to them but it's up to us to break those generational curses. So that's what I did is I broke that with my daughter. So um, now our relationship is better because now I feel like I broke that generational curse. So now, you know, me and her can rebuild and she still even has to go through therapy and go through her own circumstances, you know, to um, address what happened to her and the issues that she went through. That's powerful. I mean, breaking cycles and from generations to generations, it's it's a powerful right. thing. You know, that's no no right. e- no easy task, right? right. So I, right. I commend you, you know, so much for, for all. So that's what comes with it. You know, sometimes your family members might say they don't believe you or they might disown you or they might say, oh, get over it, you know. But yeah, it's about breaking the generational curses, you know, so that's... That's what I try to tell people that are scared. You know, it may happen. It happened to me, you know, but what's more important, you know, like keeping that a secret or exposing it and helping yourself, helping others, helping your own children, you know, that's who you are really trying to do this for your own children. Exactly. Exactly. Because healing, you know, it's, it's for you. It's not for anyone else, you know, and it's not your responsibility to try to fix, you know, your other family members, you know. All you can do is do what's best right. for you. And, and hopefully once they see the positive changes in you, it may, you know, open them up to want to heal as well. But at the end of the day, it's it's for you. So I definitely right. try to advocate for that, too, for anyone that's out there that's like hesitant about any backlash mm-hmm. or anything like, like that that they may receive. You know, you got to do what's best for you, you know. Right. For sure. So what's next? What's next for you? Any new projects coming up? Any new books? Any anything on the horizon? I know you're a new mom, a a new mom again. So I'm sure your hands are full (laughs) with that. But is there any special projects in the pipeline? Uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, um, that's just another thing that when I was younger, not only did my parents not teach me about my body, and that's why I have this children's book to educate children about their body, but my parents also didn't teach me about God. And when I first uh, moved back in with my parents for a whole year straight, I used to pray every single day, dear God, what's my purpose in life? Help me find my purpose in life. And then a year later was when the Tell Somebody organization like came about. And then for two years, I prayed, dear God, help me fix my life, help me fix my life. And then I went on the show, help me fix my life. And now for the last year or two, I just been praying to God and telling him that I just want to spend the rest of my life traveling the world just speaking. Like, that's all I want to do. Like, I want to speak at a women's conference one day here and then a children's school here and someone's birthday party here and someone's college. Like, I just want to spend the rest of my life just traveling in the world and just speaking and just bringing awareness because it happens to one in three girls and one in five boys. And those are just people who report it. And so a couple of weeks ago, someone reached out to me actually and told me that she is on a tour and that she was supposed to start her tour for speaking before COVID started. And now that, you know, COVID's kind of slowing down, they want to resume the tour and they want to know if I want to join it. So I was like, oh yeah, I would love to. And then besides that, she told me that she also does, you know, like PR work and she sets up tours. So if I want her to like set me up, you know, some tours and get me some speaking engagements, she can do that too. So basically what I've been praying for is like, you know, getting answers. So that's like my big thing is I just want to just travel the world, just speaking here and there and just bringing awareness every day. I want to come out with books and movies, just anything. I'm I'm open to anything. You know, if you would have told me a couple of years ago, or even when I was a kid, that I would, you know, have an organization or be helping people or have a children's book or be doing children's assemblies, I would have, you know, not believed you. But basically every day that you take that step forward, like God's gonna open up opportunities and doors. So you know you don't know what really is planned. I just know that I don't plan on stopping. So that's my plan to just keep going. I could definitely relate to that. That's that's amazing. Cause even me like doing this podcast, I was like praying, like, okay, God, I, I felt the nudge and I'm like, okay, God, you want me to do a podcast now? Like, are you crazy? Like, I'm not trying to do that. I wasn't there yet, you know? But I still felt the nudge to he kept nudging me to do it. So like you said, you just got to take that first step, take one step. And then it's like he'll kind of just lead you to the next thing and then to the next thing. So that's awesome. And, you know, I'm a believer as well. So, you know, my healing journey definitely includes prayer all the time and and that one on one connection with God and just allowing him to definitely order your steps and guide you and he'll do that and he's a healer as well so a lot of this stuff that you know because you know I I told you about my childhood trauma a little bit but on my episode three is where I kind of open up about that that issue um, my childhood trauma that was related to sexual violation so and that and I'm new to to telling my story so it's still very fresh for me um, so that's why I, I just admire you so much to see where you are, where you're just so open and you, you know, you share and I, and I see how it, it like energizes you. Um, I, it's, it, it's very evident how passionate you are. And so it's very commendable. It's just such like a need yeah. and nobody talks about it. Um, besides my mother being abused, my father grew up in Louisiana. He 
told me that he was molested by his white preacher. But back in the day, you didn't accuse people of stuff like that, especially a white man, because he grew up in like Grand Coteau, which was like a real and still is like real closed minded area of Louisiana. My older brother was molested by a babysitter when he was younger, two babysitters. And then my younger brother, I found out, and that's what really made me want to bring awareness also was also molested by my grandfather my younger brother is four years younger than me so when i was six and i told my mother basically because nothing was done not only did my grandfather continue to abuse me but he also abused my younger brother for years and years and years so in my immediate family everybody's been sexually molested. So if my family is like that, I used to grow up thinking it was just me. But now, as you see with my Tell Somebody movement and sharing a different story every day, I know it's not just my family. I know it's hundreds of thousands of families, you know? And so, yeah, to be able to share my story and now that gives strength for you to share and now you share and that gives strength for her to share and now that gives strength for him to share, like for it to just be a chain reaction like that, I mean, I got over 64,000 followers on my Facebook page, you know, and it's like, I have celebrities that follow me, like Alicia Keys, like Rosario Dawson, like, I just have like random, and it's just like, it's such a powerful, um, you know, just message, even just tell somebody, and it's just such a big pandemic itself child abuse but it's just not talked about that much so if i could bring awareness every day then that's just what i'm here to do yeah definitely you know break breaking the silence um breaking the silence and trying to end the stigma because it's so stigmatized the whole thing mental health as well just everything but you know it's specifically yeah. to child abuse you know sexual abuse i mean all of it is so stigmatized and obviously it's not something that it gives you the warm and fuzzies to talk about it's hard you know what I mean talking about this stuff it's not you know it's not easy until you get to that point where you've just gotten accustomed to speaking about but when you begin it's it's very uncomfortable you know I can't even deny that so I get it but we it's just too much because I feel like the more everybody sits in silence the more people suffer you know, yeah. and so it's like, you want to be comfortable or do you want to heal and, you know, and break cycles and, you know, and all yeah. that stuff. So you got to, yeah. it's more worth it to just get uncomfortable and let's just have these conversations, shine a light on it. You know what I mean? Get your healing journey started, pray, do what you got to do. You know what I mean? And just be yeah. free because there's just pray, freedom. So- you know, in it. it is. It's a freedom. And you won't even know until you do it. You know, it's kind of like if you eat steak every day, every day, every day, the one day that you eat like fresh fruit, your body's going to just be like, oh my gosh, and it's going to feel so good. But you don't know how good that fruit tastes until you taste it. So that's how like the freedom is. You don't even know like just the, uh, like the, now you could finally breathe. You know, I always tell people, the people who hurt you sleep fine at night. Now it's your turn. Mm. You know, it's your turn. That's so true. All right. So tell everybody um, how they can connect with you. Where can they get your books? How can they connect with you off of here? 
Well, yes, um, both my books are on Amazon, Tell Somebody, and In Silenced Abuse. But you can go on my website, which is tellsomebodytoday.com, and you can find my books on my website like that. And I also have my social media links to my Facebook and my Instagram, so you can follow me there also. So that's the easiest way is just go to Tell Somebody Today. Dot com. Not tell somebody tomorrow, not tell somebody next week or next year, tell somebody today.com. And that's why I named it that because there are 60, 70 year old women, 80 year old women that write me and say, well, what good is telling my story? I'm just going to take it to the grave. Well, no, because there are 10 year olds that write me and have shared their story. There was a six year old that actually wrote me and shared their story. You know, I don't, they obviously don't know the magnitude of them sharing their story because they're so young and fresh and they went through it. I couldn't even imagine it. You know, obviously they had their parents' permission and they talked about it. But if young kids can do it, you can do it too. I don't know. I just take this so seriously, just my work. It's just like, I see so much and I hear so much and I want better for everyone. For sure. I want for sure. better for everyone. And as far as your children's book goes, tell somebody, I actually did purchase that book for my daughter, as you know, and I just want to put it out there that it, it really is a good book and it's very helpful just to, you know, to educate your child, you know, about their their body parts and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. It's very simplified, you know, so for like she's five. So she's able to, you know, kind of retain that information. So it was very easy for her to understand. And it's just, it's a really good tool to start initiating those conversations in your home with your kids to be proactive. So I definitely recommend that children's book for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's my pride and joy right there. And I did, um, I tried to write a book that I would have benefited from when I was a kid. And uh, when I first started Tell Somebody, a couple of people wrote me and said that, you know, your daughter's too young for you to be explaining to her about child abuse. And I said, you know, my daughter's five and she's not too young because that I was getting abused that age and before then. So I tried to make a book, like you said, that a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, like all that whole age group could understand it. And that's what I really love from it because that's the feedback that I'm getting from everybody is that children of all ages not only benefit from it, but they understand it and they enjoy the book. It's repetitious. Every page gives them a different scenario and then says, tell somebody. So it instills the tell somebody into their head. Yes, it does. And it's colorful, you know, in the pages and all that. So yeah, it, um, it definitely appeals to the, to the little ones. So um, thank you so much for, for that. Um, it's definitely a blessing. So this was a great interview. Thank you again for joining the Heal and Grow Journey podcast um, and for being my very first guest. You're a special guest and you're the Thanks, first guest. So this is definitely a memorable moment for me. I'm humble and honored that you um, took your time to be here today. So I appreciate you. Thank you for having this podcast and keep it going. I will. I Because my dad told me, he said, Keep doing what you're doing because somebody has to do it. And I was like, you're right. Somebody has to do it. Somebody so. does have to do it. And I feel that. And, you know, my 
my goal is just to really bring awareness around like mental health and wellness, um, in particular in the black community, but in general for all people. But I kind of right. was targeting the black community because I feel like it's still very stigmatized. Um, and we yeah. don't, you know, we just don't want to talk about anything. Yes. And yes. it's just needed. You know, we can't right. continue to suppress our feelings and go on with all this silence. It's like, let's just communicate. Let's have conversations. Like, right. Because like you said, it's not just you. You know, there's so many people impacted by it. So it's like, why not? Let's just have the conversation. Right. You know? Right, 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 right. So conversation, talk about it, therapy, counseling, and prayer. Yep. That's the recipe. <laughs> That's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you found it very helpful. If you haven't done so already, please follow the Heal and Grow Journey um, Instagram page and like the Heal and Grow Journey podcast Facebook page. You can also email me if you need to contact me at healandgrowjourneypodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't done so already, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please go and write a review if you enjoyed this podcast. All right, until next time. Have a blessed week.